Y'all look really excited. Now, I gotta try to do this. Uh, hopefully, the Lord will give me some speed and supernatural learning here. But I've been saving this message for a long time. I've actually given this message a few times in other places, but I want to do it here. And I'm trying to decide what to call it uh, because Tony always asks me what to call it. Uh, I, I wanted to call it the power of choice because it, it really is about choosing. Uh, but the, the, the main part of it is uh, miracles out of mistakes. I sort of like that because I'm into miracles. Are you? Yeah. And I think I need some miracles because I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. So, but that's it. I'll just go ahead and I can do this in short order. Cause, so I'm going to read uh, Luke. Are y'all all right this morning? Come on. Y'all can't just sit there and be bored acting. You know? Uh, in Luke 10, uh, this 38 through 42, this is the story of Mary and Martha. I've preached on this before, but not on this particular part. I'll just read it. It happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She sat at his feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, one thing. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. I want to emphasize the, the phrase, uh, Mary has chosen. Everybody say, Mary has chosen. Mary has chosen. And that's what I want to talk about, is, is choosing. And one reason I wanted to wait to now is because in a month, less a day, we will be making a big choice in our country uh, by going to the polls and voting for the, for the President of the United States. And I know a lot of Christians don't even want to vote because they're so fed up with the lack of stellar candidates that we have. I understand that. I'm, I'm kind of fed up with them too. But I really do want you to vote uh, because by not voting, you're making you're making a choice. Uh, I want you to vote uh, because it's a choice that, number one, God has given us. And number two, we're blessed to be in a country where we get to vote. Uh, and But I really want you to not just vote. I want you to really pray about this. And I want you to really ask God for discernment about what's going on spiritually in our country because there's so much stuff that's being thrown out there uh, that's probably not even near the truth. It's twisted and it's, it's a deception. There's a, things that are going on that we have no clue that if we knew was happening, we would be just, you know, aghast. But I do think it's really important for the believers to, to really pray about this, pray about who you're going to vote for, Ask the Lord for discernment. Ask the Lord for wisdom. And get up and go vote. You know, just go, you know, do it. And, and trust the Lord. And don't let everybody else make that choice for you. Amen? Amen. And so, so I want to talk about choosing just a minute here. Number one, I've got a few points. Number one, choosing is a basic human right given to us by God. Choosing is a basic human God, Jesus did not require... Martha to serve, nor did he require Mary to sit at his feet. Both of them made a choice. Martha chose to serve. Mary chose to sit at his feet. 
We, a good parent, does not try to control their children's choices. A good parent teaches their children how to make good choices. You understand that? A good parent will not try to control a child and what they're choosing. A good parent wants to teach their child how to make good choices. God is a, the best parent, and God wants to teach us how to make good choices. And so he, that's really what he wants to do. He doesn't require us to do anything, but he does want to teach us how to make choices. Amen? Amen. Number two. Uh, choices are, are tied to our identity. Choices are tied to our identity. Right? We know Martha as what? A servant. We know Mary what? As a lover. Their identity is, is forever set in our minds based on the choices that made, they made that day. Child psychologists actually say the way you help a child discover its identity is by helping them be aware of the choices they're making. Because your choices help you come in touch with who you really are. And if you're, if you are in a, in, that's really good if you're a parent. You can really begin to help your child discover their identity by watching their choices and reinforcing the right good choices they're making. And then help them when you see them making choices that's really not true to who they really are. And that's what's wrong with a lot of people. If you have a, if you've made a lot of bad choices in your life, your choices may be trying to tell you something. They may be trying to tell you that you're not living up to who God really made you to be. Y'all get that? Y'all, y'all, uh, come on. I, am I talking to anybody in this room? Am I the only person in this room who has struggled with choices in their life? <laughs> because I had to find out, Lord, I need help to make some choices. I'm like, I'm making bad choices. I'm making choices that are not really who I am. Whenever you commit a sin, you're making a choice to sin. You know, nobody forcing you to sin. It's like nobody's forcing you to follow follow the Lord. But when you make it, when you sin or you do anything bad, you're you're not going in alignment with who you really are. You're making a bad choice. I think that's really good. So pay attention to your choices because they're telling you something. Your choices are telling you something about yourself. If you don't know who you are, start looking at your choices. And if your choices are leading you down the wrong path, your choices are saying, hey, this is not who you really are. That's why you're on the bad path. All right, number, number three, we make our choices. Ooh, this is really good. And our choices turn around and make us. Let me say that one more time. We make our choices, but our choices turn around and make us. Let's look at this scripture, Romans 5, 19. This is a, a, a amazing, amazing, the most amazing two choices that have ever been made. For by one man's disobedience, a choice he made, many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, choices he made, many will be made righteous. See, our choices that we're making can actually alter the destiny that God has for us. So our lives are shaped more by our choices than what we realize they are. Big time. So we have the power of choice, but once we make our choices... We cannot control the consequences of our choices. God's given you the power to choose something. But once you've made that choice, you don't have power to control the consequences that are come to your life based on the choice you made. That kind of makes you realize how much power God has really invested in you and how He wants us to use that power wisely. Because once we use it, it's like words. Once they're out of your mouth, you can't bring them back. Once we make a choice, it's going to begin to work in our life 
and do something in our life. You know, there's many as you well know. You've made some bad choices. Martha made a choice, right? She made a choice to serve. Now she's dealing with her choice. Okay, she's having to deal with the consequences of her choice. See, her choice came back on her. She was frustrated. Nobody was helping her. She felt overwhelmed. She felt frustrated. She felt disgusted. Here she had God sitting in her house, and she was all messed up. Okay? Why was she all messed up? She shouldn't have been messed up. She had Jesus there. She knew there was something about Jesus that was right. She knew that. She shouldn't have been messed up. She should have been having a, great, a glorious time, but she was messed up because she had made a choice that got her off. And she began to try to blame other people and try to... So, that's the next point is own your choice. That's what Jesus was telling Martha. Martha, you need to own your choice. Own what you did. Because nobody else is going to own it for you. You have to own your choices. You have to deal with the consequences of your choices yourself instead of blaming other people or blaming other circumstances. Even when other people can be partially or fully blamed for the choices that make that are really hurting you because other people's choices will affect you. Okay? And so you can't control other people's choices, but you can control the response that you have to their choices. So you're not left without a choice. When somebody does something that wounds you or hurts you, you have a choice of how you're going to respond to that wound or hurt. And what the problem is, a lot of people, a lot of people walk around victims. We're victims of everybody else's choices. That's why I said you should vote and don't become the victim of everybody else's choices and then whine about the bad results that happens. You see what I'm saying? You know, believers don't vote and then they sit around whining, moaning, groaning about the status of the country. Well, it's your fault. You're li live with it. You chose not to vote. You know, so that's why I'm saying vote. Don't give somebody else your choice if you do own your, own your consequences of your vote. Are y'all alright? <laughs> you don't want to be a victim. Because being a victim robs you of freedom. That's what it does. It robs you of freedom and robs you of the life that God has called you to be. And so Martha, Martha was, was a victim at that moment. And she was blaming her sister. Because her sister chose not to you know, join her in what she was doing. All right, the next one is what I call number five. Is I'm doing great. I'm going to be done here. The connection between choice and emotions. The connection between choice and emotion. There's a big connection between choice and emotions. And I, I particularly, you know, uh, want to really say this, and I'm guilty, really guilty of this, so I'm not just saying it. I'm saying it as a fellow failure. Uh, I've used this term many times in my life. I don't feel led to fill in the blank. Oh, I don't feel led to worship. I don't feel led to pray. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And one day the Lord spoke to me. He said, do you feel led to get up from that bed and go into your office? That's what he said to me one morning. I said, no. I don't feel led. And the thought was, but I'm getting up. And see, this is what I see in Christianity. We have reduced Christianity in many ways to the whims of our feelings and blamed it on the Holy Spirit. We're blaming it on the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't feel led to do that. I don't feel this. I don't feel that. We've made our Christianity about feelings. You know? 
Now, I'm going to say this. Emotions are, very, is, are a gift from God. They really are. God's given everybody emotions, but emotions are servants. Now, I think I've said this before, but your emotions are given to you as a servant. They are informing you of what's going on inside of your heart. They're like the gas gauge on your car. Oh, you're getting low. I don't feel like worshiping. You're low. You're low on gas here. You're low on the old Holy Ghost. You need to you need to do something about that, or you need to take a nap. You know, you need to get get realigned. You need something. You need somebody to pray for. There's something going on in your life as a believer when you feel like God's not worthy to be. Well, He is worthy. I feel like He is. Well, maybe He's not because He's not been answering my prayers lately. I, mean, I know y'all that way but so I think really what we got to do is Christian we got to quit that I don't feel led stuff we need to start getting real with God about what's really going on we don't feel like we want to do something instead of saying and blaming on God let's just get real Lord I don't really want to do it I'm tired I'm sleepy I'm mad I'm aggravated I'm just put out Lord so why would I go to church and worship you you know that's how God wants us to do I say well I just don't feel led this morning and, and worship King's not you know well you can apply this to any area of your life I, like I said, I flooded me first because I'm just really guilty of not feeling led to get up and come and do what I'm supposed to do with my life. And so I had to learn to quit using that term and let my emotions serve me instead of letting my emotions rule me because a lot of us are reducing our Christian life to what our emotions are telling us. Everything's based on how we feel instead of what's true. How can that be the Christianity of the Bible? It can't be. Jesus says we walk by faith, not by feelings. Faith sometimes has no feelings to it. Fact, faith sometimes feels terrible because it's risky. It's scary. And so if you want a life to save and you don't feel comfortable, you want to feel comfortable, then you're in the wrong thing. You got to go get into something else. Go get into, you know, Hinduism or Buddhism or whatever. Because Christianity is not always something that feels good. Christianity is something that's challenging. And risky if we're going to really go in and enter into all that God has for us. And we have to get away from letting those feelings rule our lives. Amen. It's what this guy spoke to us last week. Where he said, these two men made a major move that would turn out to be a major breakthrough on maybe God, or, and he used the word perhaps, perhaps God will do something. That's all they have. They didn't have a revelation. They had a perhaps, maybe. Perchance, God will be there when we step out there. Perchance, He won't. I've stepped out many times and He wasn't there. But I'm still living. And He somehow fixed me and rescued me. Are y'all okay? Amen. Lord, have mercy on us, right? Amen. So, you know, there is a connection between your choices and your emotions. Don't let your emotions drive your choices. Don't let your emotions be the final answer to your emotions. Let your emotions serve you and let you know what's happening inside of you so you can do something about it. When your car is getting low on gas, what do you do? You go to the gas station and buy gas. You fix it. You deal with it. You take care of it. That's what you do when your emotions are not in alignment with the truth, not in alignment with revelation, not in alignment with the, with the revealed Word of God. Not in line with the revelation of righteousness or the revelation of grace or the revelation of the Father. When they're not in line with that, get it fixed. Go to God and begin to work with Him on it. Tell Him, I'm coming to the gas station. God, I'm out of a mess right now. I'm not really happy about anything about Christianity. Especially mine. Yeah, 
I think it is. This will help you get light. Okay, number six, uh, there's a direct connection between grace and choices. I want to make sure we get this point in our mind. This is not, making choices not, is not, God don't just leave us to ourselves to make choices. He doesn't just say, oh, you made the choice and hopefully you'll make the right one. If you don't, I'll kill you. You know, if you make the wrong one. And you know, he is there with grace. It says this in Philippians 2.13. This is a famous verse. It's God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. So the desire to do it, to do the good thing, to will the good thing, or even the thing you don't want to do, God will give you the grace to make the right choices and make the right decisions if you'll cooperate with him. Because grace is at work in the background of our heart. And when we allow the grace of God to have its way out, we can make right choices. Uh, this give you a, a good example of my life. This is a, a terrible example, really. It just makes me look, it makes me look worse than, as worse as I am. As, well, one day I was really having temptation to sin. Okay, y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe you do. Maybe y'all are so good you don't sin. But I feel tempted to sin sometimes. And I had decided in my, there was a part of my mind that said, oh, I'm going to sin. I'm just going to do it. Okay? And I got to thinking, well, that's ridiculous to think that way. And somehow that is not an alignment of the Lord. And so I just said, you know what I'm going to do? I really want to do this particular thing that I know is not good. It will be bad. It will be hurtful. It will hurt someone. It will hurt me. Uh, so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship the Lord. I made a choice. I was wanting to sin so bad I couldn't stand it. My flesh was all in a, in a, in a tizzy, wanting sin. Now, I, has yours ever been like that? Has anybody's flesh in this room been all in a tizzy, wanting to sin? Hmm. And if you hadn't, you're a robot. If you hadn't, you're alive. <laughs> you're dead if you hadn't. You're, you're in a coffin somewhere. You're not really here. You're a ghost. And, uh, your spirit's here. You went to heaven already because you don't have to worry about it. Well, I just thought I was going to start worshiping the Lord. And I started worshiping. And this is an honest truth. I felt this power come into me. This power to say no to what I was doing, wanted to do. And, didn't, and here's the, this terrible truth. But in my mind, I was still wanting to do the bad thing. My mind was saying, no, no, stop. You know, that's what it was saying. Because I could feel my heart beginning. And I had to make a choice at that moment. Again, who is in charge here? Is my heart in charge or is my brain in charge? Because my brain was saying sin, my heart was saying, you don't have to do that. It was telling me all kinds of goodness things about God, the goodness of God and the glory of God. And so I let my heart be the master instead of let my head be the master at that moment. Because your mind really is, is another servant to you. It's meant to serve your heart. And if you listen to your mind, if you let your mind rule, you're going to sin a lot more than you would otherwise, I can tell you that, man. Because your mind was never designed by God to rule us. It's a perversion. It's a resort of the fall. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's a perversion. It's a resort of the fall when our minds, our intellect, our logic determines what we're doing and what we're not doing. God never designed a human being to live that way. He designed to live from our heart because God speaks to our heart. God knows us by our heart. Our mind's a beautiful gift in the right place. You know, that's old saying. It's, a, it's an awesome servant, but a ter terrible master. Your mind's a terrible master. It will lead you down the wrong path in life. 
cause you to make the wrong choices. But if you'll live from your heart, that was a great example for me. If you'll live from your heart, the thing out of the abundance of your heart, when the Holy Spirit is in your heart working, let it, that thing have your And guess what? I, I let the mind submit, and the temptation fled like a, you know, like a, a stray dog that's being shot at by a 22. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. When I was growing up, there were stray dogs. I know that probably makes people mad, but I lived out in the country. People used to dump the dogs. They would literally dump dogs in my front yard. We had 20-something dogs as it was. So we came to the point, we can't take no more dogs. So the daddy would say, if you see a dog, shoot at it. You don't have to shoot the dog, but shoot at the dog. And you would shoot, and you'd hear him go, and they would take off in a fly, man. I mean, they would be going 90 miles an hour, and you shoot again just so you could hear them. <laughs> I know that sounds like they're going to put you in jail for that today, but where I, where I grew up, where I lived, you had to do it, or we were going to starve because the dogs were going to eat all our food. That's how I grew up. And we had dogs in the house, you know, dogs slept with us. You know, they were everywhere. Our, the under our, I'm just being stupid now, but the under our, we had a, a house that was up, built up on blocks. It had no blocks around it. So you could crawl around the house. The under the house was full of dogs. It, I mean, literally, it was, you could not go under there in the summertime because the fleas would run you out. We would spread under that. That's the truth. You know? So there would be people who, their dogs would have puppies. You know, they have a dozen dog puppies. You know, what else is it? They would have puppies and they would dump the puppies. Just dump them out to die. Who was the cruel one? It wasn't us. You know? The cruel ones, these people who let their dogs have puppies and then they just dump them and somebody let somebody else take care of them. But I will admit there was a couple of dogs I kept. Because I really liked those dogs. And they became, you know, my pets that I slept with. Anyways, what was I talking about? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Get your mouth in the line with God, right? That's what we're talking about. So, Corey, you're right. I've got to learn how to do this. Uh, so anyways, back to the grace thing. God doesn't work in our heart to help us make right choices. He doesn't leave it to ourselves. But we have to let Him. We have to cooperate with the Spirit of God. You know, and when we feel tempted, when we're in that, I really do recommend worship. I really do... Uh, recommend prayers. Uh, but I do believe there's power that gets released when we begin to worship the Lord and pray to Him. Uh, you know, that helps you overcome any temptation, anything that would want to take you off off the path. Uh, and it really helps you get in alignment with, with the Lord. Okay, the last thing I want to talk to you about is God has a way of making miracles out of your mistakes. And this is really... The thing I, I feel that I felt really strong about is uh, is because we've all made wrong choices, right? Everybody in this room, we've made some wrong choices. Um, we've all done things that we were we know weren't the best, and some of us today in this room are suffering in your life because of the wrong choices that you've made. It, you know, it's one thing when somebody else makes a choice and it hurts you. Or you just happen to, just some, some random bad thing, like the economy collapses right when you bought a house or something or invested a bunch of money. That, that's one thing. It's another thing, and we, we, we tend to be able to get by those moments 
a little easier knowing that we weren't the one that thought somebody else, some other idiot made this mistake and it's about ruining my life. We got caught up as, uh, as I heard a great preacher say, well, now we got caught up in somebody else's shipwreck. It's talking about Paul. He just got caught up in somebody else's bad choice and somebody else's shipwreck. It wasn't your fault. We tend to be able to deal with those kinds of things a little easier most of the time. But we have a more of a difficult time when we've made a choice. We've done something and it's hurt us. It's wounded us. And we begin in our mind to begin to think that the thing we've done, that how can God help me? It's like my mama used to tell me. This is what my mama used to tell me when I was a little boy because I was getting in trouble a lot. And once she caught me uh, doing something, she would get her switch. That's what she always said. I'm going to get a switch. And she'd say, I'm going to get a keen switch. And I'm going to... I'm going to switch your legs. Okay? I'm going to switch your legs. I don't know if you've ever had your legs switched by a keen switch. A keen switch. It hurts. In fact, she would say, I'm going to cut the blood out of you. My mom would say that. Now, you, they'd put people in prison today for doing that. But she would literally switch me, and there would be whelps that would rise up on my legs. And they would bleed. That's how they did it back in the country with all the dogs. <laughs> but I can remember my mama holding my arm and just wearing me out. And I'd be, you know, going in circles and begging her, begging her, please don't, mama. I promise I'll never say that. I'll never do it again. And you know what she would say? You made your bread bed of roses. You're going to lay in them. You, you know, you, you get that? Roses are very thorny. You know, and so that was her way of saying, you're going to pay for what you've done. You're going to pay for it. And well, I did pay for it. But my thank God that God was not like my mom. <laughs> you know, because see, God, we, there's things that we do, there's difficult things, choices we make at times that hurt us, hurt other people around us. And we get it in our mind that God will never do anything about it. We, we get it in our mind that, that we're just stuck with the consequences uh, there's people in this room, you feel stuck with the consequence of a bad choice that you made. It's hurt you. It's wounded you. It's caused you financial problems. It's caused you relational problems. And we, we get in our mind that God, that's just, we, well, we just got what was justly coming to us. We did it. Uh, and it's true that God wants us to, as I said earlier, own your choice. Own your choice. But God can, I can tell you, this is what, what I felt He said. He wants to make a miracle out of your mistake. The thing that could have ruined you, that has ruined you financially. There's people who've been ruined financially by bad choices. There's people who've been ruined by, the, they, they, they should have never married the person they married. It's ruined their life. It's just after, I know people, their life is ruined over a marriage. You know? Or your life was ruined over a financial decision you made. A, an opportunity, an investment. And you lost every, I have a friend of mine, Somebody told him the story of this deal. Uh, too good to be true. If it's too good to be true, it is. Not true. He invested his life savings. This is a man that's in his late city. He invested his life savings and lost everything. <coughs> Those kind of things, you feel like, you know what, I'm just a fool. How could God ever help me? God, will God ever help me? Oh, he'll have mercy on me. He'll forgive me, but I'm going to be stuck. Because of my bad choices. Okay? And I spend the rest of my life paying for this bad choice that I've made. But God is saying something different. God says, I have a way of making a miracle out of your mistake. I can do a miracle 
in your mistake, if you'll let me. Anybody believe that this morning? Yeah. I know what it's like to make bad choices. I know what it's like to bad, make bad decisions that affect other people and you feel, you feel like you, you've disqualified yourself. There's people in this room that feel disqualified in leadership or disqualified in your ministry or disqualified in your family because of the choices you made that, that absolutely was the wrong choice, wrong decision. But God says, i got another thought for you. I can do a miracle in the midst of that bad choice for you. One of the beautiful things... Um, about God is this, is God knew, He knew this, before you ever made that bad decision, before you ever, He knew His life's plan for you, His purpose for you, is not based on you living your Christian life and making every choice perfectly. Do y'all believe that? What I just said will free you if you heard it. Let me say it one more time. God knew you were going to make some bad choices along the way. His plan and His purpose for His life took into account that you were going to make bad choices and bad decisions. His, in other words, God is not shocked that one day, Martin McGee said, why in the world did you do that? You, you've ruined yourself. <laughs> I'm just shocked at you, Marlon. No, that is not what God does. God knew, well, you know, Marlon's going to mess up on this day, this year, but I still have this call on his life. I still have this dream for his life. I still have this purpose for his life. And see, that's what I had to come to. I had to come to that. I had to come to the reality that I've made some bad choices. I've made some bad choices as a pastor. I've made some bad choices raising my children. I mean, this absolutely just has haunted me for years. I mean, literally haunted me, especially with my family, just haunted me. I would just have visions of it and just tear me up. You know, dads don't always do the best thing with their kids. If you're a dad this morning, God knew you wouldn't always do the best thing. You wouldn't always say the right thing. Pastors don't always make the best decisions for their churches. They make bad choices that one of them do. God knows all that. Businessmen. They make bad business decisions. Wives make bad choices that hurt their husbands. Husbands make bad choices that hurt their wives. See, God sees all that and He says, well, I, I took that into account. I took that into account back when I wrote the days of your life in my book. I took that into account. And that didn't disqualify you. That didn't take you out of the end result that I have for you. Yeah, I may have to write a, we may have to write a couple more paragraphs to get that worked out before we get back on track. But we'll, we'll do that. We'll write those paragraphs. We'll get that. One of the great scriptures that I love is John 11, verse 5. I'm going to end because it's kind of good to end here. Um, this is going back to the scripture I read about Martha making a bad choice. Now, y'all know John 11 is about Lazarus, right? When he was dead. And Jesus was in town somewhere else. And they sent for Jesus to come because, hey, Jesus, you know, Lazarus, the person that you love, is sick. And Jesus, you know, hung around, hang out, you know, was delayed and messed around, messed around, messed around. So he got Lazarus good and dead. 
you know, by the time they got there, he'd been dead for four days. In the Jewish culture, you know, it took four days for a person to actually really be dead for their spirit to be gone. In fact, I've read somewhere, I think it takes several days for your, all your cells to die in your body. It takes a few days. They still have, some of your cells are still, I think your fingernails kind of live for a while because I've seen pictures of people who were dead that had really long fingernails. Yeah, so, so in the Jewish mind, your spirit hung around there and there was a possibility you could still be alive but after four days, it was over with. And a, Jew, a Jew's mind, it's done. Period. There ain't no hope for this dude. He's gone. He ain't coming back. That's why Jesus waited. Because he wanted to show everybody there is no impossibility with me. Right. I'm just, that's why he did it. Don't you love that? I just want to prove to everybody nothing is impossible for me. I can do anything I want to. You can be dead 20 years and I can bring you back alive. You can be dust. I'll just call that dust back up. That's what Jesus was trying to tell people that day. And I love it how some preachers have said, I'm just, this is sort of off the point. When he called Lazarus, he said, he spoke to him by name because if he would just say, get up from there, every dead person that <laughs> ever died would have got up because he couldn't resist the sound of the voice that has everything there is in it. Wow. Because that's the voice that we're looking for. We're talking about being alive. God, if you'll just breathe so we can have your voice. Because when your voice says something, yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. It is hot in here. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm going to finish that. But this is what I love about this story. It says, now Jesus loved who? Martha. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You would think because Mary made such an awesome choice. The greatest choice she could have made, Jesus would have said, well, I really love Mary and her sister <laughs> and Lazarus. No. Mm. He was trying to tell us something. This is what I'm trying to tell you about your mistakes. That's what he was trying to tell us. He was trying to say, your mistakes will never, never define you. That's right. I, I was telling Oh, Lord, gosh. I was trying to tell our elders this is something that I have struggled with. Is, you know, we've been through such bad stuff in this church. I don't want that to be my identity. I don't want that to define me. Do you? No. Do you want to be known for that? No. no. Now, let's get real here. It's going to mark you. Right? Jesus was very marked by what he went through. He has scars to prove it. We got scars. If you could see us spiritually, we'd be all beat up looking like, dang, what happened to y'all? You know, did you get jerked through a, a knot or something and pulled back in and round up and spit out? We all have some scars, but it ain't who we are. Yeah. Jesus' scars doesn't say he's defeated. Jesus' scars says, I die, but I'm alive. I work out. And see, I, I feel like that's the thing that God wants to do. I think He wants He wants us to quit letting the past define us. He wants to quit letting our past failures define us. And our past mistakes define us. In the kingdom of God, you don't live from the past. You live from the present and the future. That's what hope's all about, right? You're living from something that you don't even see half the time. 
That's what the faith is. You're, you're operating in an invisible world, something that's, that hasn't even happened yet. And you're making decisions today based on something you can't even see. That's the craziness about faith. It's like driving a car, right? You know, you drive a car, you don't drive your car, you don't direct your car by what's right in front of you. You're looking down the road and making decisions. That's a, to me the way spiritual life is. It's like driving a car. You're looking up the road there, what's happening in front of you, and you're making decisions right where you're at, right up based on what you see up there. You see a, a stoplight that's fixing to turn green, you're already slowing down before you even get to it, based on what it's doing up there in the in your future a few seconds ahead. And that's really how God's called us to live our life, is to look in front of us and see what God's doing, because that's why he said the hope of his calling. That's what hope's all about. It's about what God wants to do. Instead of living and letting your messed up self from the past rule you. All right. Why don't we just stand up? Who? Wait a minute. Stop. Don't stand up. I'm going to really put you on the spot. How many people in this room got some mistakes in your life that's really affected you? Raise your hand. You just feel that. See, I'm not just talking. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm, um, I had this one thing I did. That killed me for years. I would see it over and over. And my heart was crushed over it. And I felt for years I was punished for it. And one day the Lord said, What's happening to you has nothing to do with that. Nothing. You made an immature mistake as a dad. Do you think I'm going to judge you for the rest of your life over that and punish you for that? what he said to me one day. It was like a liberating moment. I haven't had that vision anymore since that moment. Because I had begged God, please forgive me, Lord, and fix the mess I made my child. Please, I've begged him for years. And I was living out something that wasn't even true. Mm -hmm. And God really wants to fix that for us. He wants to free us from things like that. And a lot of people in this room, I know you've got that working in your life. And some of you right now are in situations where you're hurting over your, your choices. Your, your life got messed up. And, and, but God wants to do a in your life. God wants to fix your life. God is for you. God's plan. You're not disqualified. You're not the purposes He has for you. He's not, he's, he's not wrote, 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 you, wrote you off. He really has. I have a friend of mine who messed up big time in his majorly, and he called me one day and said, Crying, you think God would ever use me again? He's like, Duh, he's using me. <laughs> if he's using me, he could use anybody. The only difference between me and you, you just happen to make that bad choice. I didn't because I didn't have the opportunity. I'd have done the same thing. There's no difference. So I really want to encourage you this morning. If you will give that thing to the Lord, I think God will give you a miracle. Mm. I believe God will give you a miracle. A miracle for your mistake. Or mistakes. But you've got to give it to Him. You've got to let Him have it. Just... So why don't you stand up now? Have mercy, Lord. Hey, listen, pray for Brian Nunn. He was in a car accident this morning. He's okay. His car is totaled. Somebody ran into the back of him. He had seven trees to fall on his yard. He his new house. 
and farms down there where all the big stuff. So, you know, and plus he, you know, his job down there is in a hospital. He had to be there because they're putting people there. They didn't have power. I mean, you know, the guy's, he's probably bouncing off the wall right now. God bless him. Keep the nuns in prayer. God touch Brian and give him encouragement and bless him and Jen. Help Jen to get there safe and help rescue him from himself. God's going to be rescued by the wise. Lord, I just ask you for every person. Lord, here we are. We're a bunch of mistake makers, Lord. We, we, we've messed up everything, Lord. We've we hurt everybody around us. We've we messed our kids up, Lord. We've messed our marriage up. We've messed everything up, Lord. And some of us have. So I just pray for miracle. I give you my mistakes today, again, Lord. And I just ask you for a miracle in my life, for my family. I ask you for a miracle in this church, the mistakes I made with this church, Lord. I just ask you for a miracle. I ask you for people, especially those who are just really hurting this morning and have so much regret in their life. I just ask you, Lord, to do a miracle in their life. Today, do something. Give them a vision. Give them a revelation. Give them a dream. <coughs> Lord, take the take the poison out of the out of the, out of the bite. Take the poison out, and so the inflammation will go away. The discomfort will go away. And they can begin to see again, and dream again, begin to make decisions again begin to engage again Lord and see the dream for their life that you dreamed over them when you created them and when you formed them in the mother's womb and you touched them Lord you gave them something you gave them, you gave them a dream you gave them a purpose you gave them a plan you gave them a blueprint all those things you touched them I just call them forth out of people today I call forth the purposes of God I call forth the plans of God in your life. I call forth His purpose. I call forth His dreams. I call forth that blueprint that's in your heart of the life that God wants you to have. That God and God is saying the blood is sufficient for your past. The blood is sufficient. The Spirit is, is able. If you will just join Him. I just thank you for that, Lord. So let's let the Holy Spirit just sit on you for a moment here and Let him be what he does. Because he doesn't have any condemnation, it's not as a freedom that God was born to give you this morning. Lord, give us a miracle for our mistakes, for our sins, for our fallings, for our bad choices. Replace all that with a miracle today in our life. Some of you, it's, it's health. Literally, you made some bad choice about your health. God will see if you're in your home. Some of you, it's financial. God wants to do a miracle in your finances. Some of you, it's relational. God wants to do a relational miracle in your life. Some of it has to do with your calling, your purpose, your ministry. God wants to release miracles today in us. Because I believe 
because lately I believe God wants to release miracles in the world. And I believe the way He wants to release them is for people like you and me, just ordinary people. That we've experienced a miracle. That we can take and go to people who need that miracle and tell them the good news and tell them about our miracle. And so they can get their miracle. So Lord, I ask you to do that. I pray for miracles in this room and all over this room, Lord. Release miracles from heaven. If you'll reach your hand up right now to the Lord, if, if you want to, and reach your hand up and pull on heaven for a miracle. Just tell the Lord, tell him, tell him, Lord, I need a miracle for this. I need a miracle. Yes, Lord, I confess and acknowledge I help make this mess. But I'm asking you for a miracle. I'm not asking you today, Lord, for justice. I really feel like that's important. Because if I get justice, I'm in trouble. But I am asking you for mercy. Because you're a merciful God. I ask you for mercy in my life. And miracles in my life. Miracles. I just pray that. I pray for any person in this room that you have an STD. I feel like there's somebody in the room has an STD. God wants to give you a miracle. He wants to give you a miracle. He wants to heal you of that. He wants to take all that out of your life. Some of you have lost, lost, it's a relational thing. You've lost people relationally. I mean, all the way down to marriages. Families being divided over stuff, over just stuff that in the end of the day is really not worth dividing. God wants to do a miracle for you. I just pray for these families and these people in this room where there's division in your home, where there's separation between a father and son, husband and wife, mother and daughter, all these things. I just pray for a miracle for you today. That God would do a miracle for you. God would do a miracle for you. Lord, do a miracle. Because you're a God of miracles. You care about people enough to do miracles. I don't care what you've done today. I don't care how hideous it was. I don't care how dark it was. I don't care how putrid it was. God is saying, I'll do a miracle for you if you'll let me. Because I'm a merciful God. I'll cover you. I'll protect you. I'll wipe that off the slate. I'll put you under my wing. You won't be exposed. And what you, what you thought was going to make you desolate, what you thought was going to make you lonely, what you think, thought was going to ruin your life, God's going to somehow get into that. And when He gets in it, He's going to do a miracle and it will not ruin your life. It will not make you desolate. It will not make you lonely. It will not ruin your life. Because God's getting into it right now. He's getting into it. And when He gets into it, there's no ruin in Him. There's only victory in Christ. Lord, I ask you to release that this morning. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're compassionate and kind to us. Lord, we ask you to help us to make good choices going forward. For the Lord did tell me this. Every good choice you make helps eliminate the bad choices. It helps rebuild the place where you have the bad choice. Let the Holy Spirit help you make good choices going forward.
So, can we have some people come out of here for prayer? Uh, just wanted to give this. I saw the Lord. Um, it was a lot of vision, but it was a no not. You know, those mistakes cause a hole and things to go through. But I saw the Lord actually filling it with all kinds of sweetness. The jelly, the, all those things that fill the donuts. I feel like the Lord has taken that hole and put His goodness and His mercy and His sweetness in it so that it ends up being something that we can really use to give to others, to feed them. That will be sweet in our own lives. So just let the Lord fill that hole in your heart right now. <coughs> Let him fill it with his goodness and his sweetness.